0: Good morning to everybody. My name's Christian, if it's your first time amongst us, and I'm one of the pastors here. It's going to be my privilege, just for a few moments, to just talk to us further about what Easter means to me. What an absolutely fantastic outcome of uh, Paul and Liz's life, and I can testify, and thanks Josh for leading that so well. I can testify to the fact that uh, this man, just over the period that I've known, it's like a different person Um, from when that lifestyle, it seems incredible, Paul, to think of you, how you lived your life, to see you now, which is uh, amazing. This morning, I want to, just for a moment, just ask the question, who are you looking for? As a child, I used to love hide-and-seek. Did anybody else love playing hide-and-seek? I used to really love it because it often, if it was in the house, you were scrambling through wardrobes. You were behind sofas and uh, under uh, dining room tables, in kitchens. And it was great. If it was outside, it was even better because if there was a garage, you'd try and hide in there behind fences, up trees, behind bushes, all kinds of things. I just loved... The whole thought of hide and seek. I used to love going to parties as well. And when kids parties in particular. And there's a particular game that I really enjoyed. There was certain games that I really didn't enjoy like musical statues and musical bumps and all those kinds of things. But one game that I really, really liked was the Hunt the Chocolate. I don't know whether anybody played it. But you'd go out of a room and somebody would hide a piece of chocolate or a chocolate bar. And then you'd walk into the room and the only clues that they would give you is, you're cold, you're cold, you're warmer. Anybody ever played that game? Warmer, hotter, hot, 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 hot. Oh, colder, colder, warm, warm. I used to love those kinds of games. They were games of finding. But I've realized that as we get older, we actually still continue to search. But not as a game. But for meaning, for purpose. I've realized something. To have to search for something that's lost is bad enough. But worse still, is searching for something, but you don't know what you're looking for. Have you got it? To have to search for something that's lost is bad enough. But worse still, is searching for something. But you don't know what you're looking for. And this is where we have all found ourselves at some point. Because we know deep down that we are lost. And we are empty. And we begin to search. And that has come through already this morning in what Paul shared from his story. The message of Easter is wrapped up in this one statement It says in Luke in chapter 19 and verse 10, that the Son of Man, Jesus, came to look for and to save you who was lost. Interestingly, on Easter Sunday, the gospel records that a search was on. I wonder if we'd just take a look at it for a moment. And if you have your Bibles, you may want to follow it. It's just two verses. If not, they're going to be on the screens, big screens. Because in Matthew 28 and verse 5 and 6, it says this. This is after crucifixion. This is Easter Sunday morning. And as some women approached the tomb, they were looking for Jesus. And the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. You see, on Friday, Jesus was crucified. But early on Sunday morning, some of the followers of Jesus went to visit the tomb. And they encountered this angel who spoke to them. As an aside, I want to say this morning... For those who are in faith and those who are searching, angelic beings are very real. We mustn't underestimate what actually happens in the invisible realms. It's not just for storybooks like Harry Potter and the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. But it's a very real reality that there are invisible things that happen in the invisible realm. And the angel came and spoke to these women. And this is what the angel said. And I wonder if I could just take those verses and just break them down just for a few minutes. Because I really believe that these verses and these words have great power for every single one of us. The first thing the angel said to the women was this. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. These words are so powerful, my friend, this morning. For us in the 21st century. Why? Because many, whether quietly or noisily, are living in or ruled by fear. You might be here this morning and you may say, Christian, I look like I want to give this impression that I've got it all together, but quietly in my heart, I'm living with such fear. There are people in the world who live with incredible fears. Let me give you some headlines. I feel like I'm. Natalie, Natasha Kaplinsky, is that a name? Giving you some headlines on the news at 10. Financial meltdown, boom, boom. Job losses, boom, boom. Nations and banks collapsing, boom, boom. Threats of nuclear bombing, boom, boom. You may say, well, that's fine, Christian, because that doesn't impact me. Well, let's look at some other headlines, shall we? On our own doorsteps, in our own communities. Streets that are full of violence. Children making wrong choices. Marriages that are being destroyed. And the list could go on and on. Is it any wonder that the world is full of fear? There was a 2012 survey that concluded the top 10 fears. And they're in order of, decline so at number 10 was the loss of freedom number 9 was the unknown next pain then there was the fear of disappointment at number 6 the fear of misery at number 5 the fear of loneliness at number 4 the fear of being ridiculed at number 3 the fear of rejection, at number two, the fear of death. And the number one fear in this survey was the fear of failure. Fear is a very powerful emotion that can cause people everywhere to behave and act in a certain way. And if not captured, it will rule over our lives Fear is the dark room where Satan develops your negatives. But the angel announced, do not be afraid. If you are in fear this morning, there is an answer and his name is Jesus. The angel then went on to say, fear not, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus. As I said in my introduction, I just love the whole thought of seeking. And I want to tell you this morning that God doesn't play hide and seek with any of us. God is wanting to be found. He doesn't make it difficult for us to be found, for himself to be found. He wants to be found. And we are all searching. The issue is, we often don't know what we are looking for, so we search anywhere and everywhere. I wasn't aware what Paul was going to say, but that came out very strongly, that he had all this stuff, but actually he was bored, it was meaningless, and so he'd begun to search anywhere and everywhere for the thrill, for the satisfaction, for the rush, to make meaning and purpose of his life. I want to say this is not a stab at personal relationships, what I'm about to say, or the accumulation of material stuff, or even riches. But if these are the things that we are looking for, if these are the only things that we are searching for, then we will be left empty. I love to read the newspaper. And over the years, there have been many lottery winners. And there's been many lottery winners who have then come out after blowing multiple millions And I've made a statement like this, I'm now penniless, but I'm now wondering what my life consisted of, even when I had the money. I have to say this because I hear so many people say, if only I could win the lottery, then my life would be different. I want to tell you it won't. All you'll have is a whole stack of money, but it won't necessarily fill the aching void that is inside of us. You can accumulate as much as you want. It will not satisfy that deep need within your heart because we will be left empty. You see, that feeling of accomplishment can often be without satisfaction. The wisest king and the wealthiest king of his day, Solomon, after taking multiple wives, and I'm talking multiple, read the Bible. I don't know, I had time for it. It was just unbelievable. I was gonna say if she was here ones enough, but you understand what I mean, and I don't mean that derogatory, that's that'll do for me. But this king took multiple wives, he built kingdoms, he accumulated great wealth, but he said these words everything is meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Can you remember the character OJ Simpson? Give me a wave if you know that name, OJ. Unfortunately, he came to prominence as a result of some dramatic footage that happened on a, uh, on a freeway in the United States as a result of them finding his wife and, I believe, a partner uh, in, in, in a, a blood-soaked room. And then there was the dramatic footage that entered our screens as it was played out in the courtrooms. But before that, OJ Simpson was a successful American footballer. And this is what he said. Not after he'd done the crime, or sorry, he hadn't done the crime, but anyway, I'll leave it there in case of podcast. But whilst he was a top US football player, this is what he said. Listen to me very carefully, because I think this is a description of many, many people. I sit in my house, and sometimes I get so lonely. It's unbelievable. Life has been so good to me. I've got a great wife. I've got good kids, I've got money, I've got my own health, and yet I'm so lonely and I'm so bored. I often wondered why so many rich people commit suicide. Money sure isn't a cure for all. Let me ask you a question. What are you looking for? What are you looking for? I'm not just speaking to those And I know there's guests amongst us who are on a journey or searching. I'm asking people who would recognize them being as Christian people. What are you looking for? These disciples were looking for Jesus. The angel said, for I know that you are looking for Jesus. Now, I don't want to assume anything this morning, if that's okay, Because some people here, as soon as we say the word Jesus, I was in a, um, I'd been asked by the Universal guys to, to share a few weeks ago, probably a few months ago in Universal. And I was just struck by the fact that there was about 50 young people there and about half of them had never been possibly in church. And I'm talking to them about Jesus. And in my usual way, I want to invite people to just have a relationship with Jesus. But I was struck by the fact that actually these Kids, these young people, didn't even know who I was on about. I could have been saying, they'd have known if I'd have said, come to David Beckham. They would have known if I would have said, come to Justin Bieber. But they had no clue who Jesus was. You might be here this morning and you've heard us sing about Jesus and how he came to set the captives free, how he brought amazing grace to our lives. But you have no understanding of who this Jesus is. And very quickly, I just want to race through a few things who the history records and also who the bible what the bible records about this jesus let me say he was god's son born into the world in bethlehem through the virgin mary yes we believe that he lived as a normal man for 30 years in obscurity there's only one account where they record that there was a story about jesus and that was at the age of 12 when he went to the temple all the other time he was just living a normal existence he was a normal man yet lived perfect he came to help broken hurting people the marginalized the abused the forgotten the hurting the untouchables of the day all this while he remained sinless you see light embraced darkness the perfectly clean hugged the dirt and grime of people's lives This is the Jesus that I'm talking about. Jesus fulfilled his purpose for which he was born. He was accused yet found without fault. He was beaten and accused. He was battered. He was whipped. He was cursed. He was spat at and he was ridiculed. He was nailed on a cross for all to see crucified. He was verified as dead. And to make sure that he was actually dead, his sides of his body were pierced by a spear and blood and water flowed. And he was laid to rest in a tomb sealed by a huge stone so nobody could get in. This Jesus is God. And Jesus entered the world because as we saw at the very beginning of our service, for those who were here, there was a divide, there was a chasm, and he was created by evil that had entered the world, sin, and darkness pervaded, and darkness ruled. But Jesus came as the spotless sacrifice sent from God the Father from heaven to earth as a bridge from God to man. The Bible records in John 3 16 for God so loved the world. That he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Without Jesus, friend, you are perishing. On this earth and in the life to come. But there is an answer. As we respond to Jesus, the promise is not of perishing any longer, but of eternal life in this life And in a life to come. Jesus is looking for you. I'm so thankful today about this Jesus though. That the account of Jesus doesn't just end on a cross. This is where most people finish the story. But on Sunday. An angel declared. You are looking for Jesus. But he is not here. Because he has risen. Let me just say to you this morning, let's just look at the English language. I was not a good scholar, and you can tell without I'm speaking even of grammar. But even I understand this. He is not here. Present tense. He has risen. Past tense. No, he is not rising. Nor is he going to rise. No, he is not here. He has already risen from the grave. As they approached the tomb, he didn't just decide to get up. He was already gone. And I love what he records about Jesus. And I thought about this, the order of Jesus. He talks about his cloths, his clothes being orderly formed. <laughs> Wouldn't we love our kids to just get a hold of that? <laughs> kids, get a hold of that. Even at Resurrection Sunday, Jesus folded the clothes in orderly fashion and he rose from the grave. Why is this so significant, you may ask? Because between his death on the cross and the tomb being emptied, Jesus was at work in the invisible realm it records that jesus took the keys of death and hell sorry jordan you're just going to have to be satan just for a moment <laughs> i've to pick the most angelic looking well look at these guys i mean oh. and he took the keys so when you have the key who's the most powerful person the one who's holding the what okay. the key Oh, I've had all sorts of instances where people have wanted keys for all kinds of things. And all they really wanted is they wanted to feel like they've got the power. You can have all the keys you want for this building. It just means you have to open up and close up. And but Let me get back to the point. He took the keys. He took the power of sin and of death. And said, Satan, they no longer belong to you. They are now mine. I have won. I was once dead, but I'm now risen from the grave. I have overcome. I have won. I have crossed the winning line. I have defeated sin and its power and the hold over everybody's life. I have defeated death because death could not hold me down. And ultimately, I have defeated you, Satan. The chains of pain, the addictions, the brokenness, the bondages of fear... And evil smashed amazing grace. And all that is good, and all that is of God, was purchased for us. Forgiveness, when you've done something wrong. I'm a sinner, saved by grace. My sins have been forgiven and washed that have been both passed and if there's any sins that I'm going to commit today, they have been forgiven. And any sins that I commit in the future, because we all get it wrong, friend, they are washed and forgiven. He also gives us peace in the midst of incredible trials, provision, healing, true love, contentment and fulfillment, joy, not dependent on circumstances, goodness, and wholeness, all these are in store for us as we respond to Jesus Christ. William Hurst, William Randolph Hurst, would anybody know that name? He was a very rich and powerful man, and he built his fortune from his father who passed the fortune on to him, a pile of cash, and he went into journalism. And through that journalism, he actually accumulated 30 of the greatest and the best newspapers, newspaper companies, printing houses in America. But he was also an art collector, and he loved beautiful paintings. And one day, William Hurst saw a picture of two exquisite works of art and decided that he must have them for his personal collection. So he summoned one of his staff members and told them to mount a search to find where those paintings were located and to purchase them regardless of the cost. And so his staff spent several weeks writing letters, making phone calls to locate the two paintings. And finally they were found. And they're in a warehouse on the other side of town in the very city in which Hearst operated his newspaper. Hearst was filled with anticipation as his staff led him to the warehouse where the paintings were located. When they arrived at the warehouse, Hurst was suddenly confused. This is where the paintings are located? He asked. Yes, replied the staff member. Is something wrong? Well, yes. I already own this warehouse and its contents. These paintings have been mine All day long. You see, very often, we go searching for something when it's been staring us in the face all along. The search could end today for people. I want to just as I close say, to those who are followers of Jesus Christ, you've pledged your allegiance to Jesus You've raised your hand, you bowed, you knee. however you did it. Can I implore you? Can I implore all of us? Let's stop going down blind alleys. Let's stop running into cul-de-sacs. Let's stop running into dead ends. Let's trust God completely and totally. Let's surrender everything to him. For those who were seekers this morning, you may have never responded to Jesus Christ. You may have never asked Jesus into your life. You don't know what it is to have your sins washed clean. You have no faith. It's been staring you in the face all morning long. This aching void, this emptiness, it will only be filled by the person of Jesus. Stop looking in all the wrong places, to all the wrong people and in all the wrong stuff to fill your life and to give you meaning. True life and fulfillment is only found in Jesus. I want to tell you, friend, you now know who you are looking for. His name is Jesus. He is not here He has risen from the grave. He comes to bind your broken heart. He comes to set you free. He comes to give you peace and love. He comes to quash and heal all your fears. This is the Jesus that I know. I wonder if we'd all bow our heads for a moment before I hand back to Phil. I want to be very intentional on this Easter Sunday morning. Thank you for giving me such great attention, and particularly those who've got small children. You've done incredibly well. Thank you. If you could just help me just for one moment, one minute, one, two minutes, before I hand back. I want to first of all talk to those people who would normally come here to church. Church. And I just want you to quietly in your heart to make a commitment because I really felt it strongly as I was praying this morning. There are people who need to be impacted again by who Jesus is. I'm not talking about you committing your life to Jesus again, but just surrendering everything to him. Stop looking for other things to fill your life. You've already found it. You've already found him. His name's Jesus. Surrender. Give everything to Him. This morning, you're here and you've never come to faith in Jesus Christ. But you just know there's an ache in your heart. And more importantly, you just know God's at work in your life now. You just feel something. Like what Paul said just feel different. There's something that's happening. You just know in your heart something's happening. I want to say it's Jesus. And Jesus is searching for you, He's looking for you, He's knocking on your door. He's come to seek and to save you, you who are lost. And one of the ways that we can do that and express that, our first point is by saying yes to Jesus. I have to in, invite people while every eye is closed and head is bowed. Because in a moment I'm going to pray a prayer for you. But you may say, This morning, Christian. Will you pray for me that I would receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior? I want to know the reality of Jesus. I want to know what it is to have peace and love and fulfillment. If that is you this morning. There are people who need to respond. I want if you quickly raise your hand up. Just raise your hand up where you are and then put it down again. This morning, there are people who need to say yes to Jesus. Yes to him. Thank you. Anybody else this morning who would say yes to Jesus? There's one lady, anybody else this morning? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody else this morning who says yes to Jesus? There's more people who need to respond to him this morning. He's reaching out for you. You just know something's happening. Just raise your hand where you are before I pray. Thank you. Anybody else this morning who says yes to Jesus? On this Easter Sunday morning, Christ can be risen in your heart. You can know what it is to have true peace and joy in Jesus Is the one more person just before I pray. Lord, I want to thank you for the people that have responded this morning. Come on, church. We want to thank you for the people who have called out to you. Wherever they are, whatever the state of mind is, whatever the situation is, they're reaching out to you. And Jesus, I know confidently that you are at work in people's hearts. And I just pray, Lord, whatever these people need, whatever they need from you at this particular moment, that you would draw close to them. I ask Lord Jesus that they would know that their sins have been forgiven. As they confess their need of you, as they say yes to you to be Lord and Savior of their life, that you would fill them, that you would wash them, that you would help them, that they would know the forgiveness of Jesus. We ask it, Father, in your name. I want to just say just if we all just open our eyes before I hand back those people